0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: You know, we're going through the life of Elijah, looking particularly at the fact that James tells us in James chapter 5 that the prayer of faith accomplishes much. So you and I look at that and we're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, George, there's no way I could be like that. But a little bit later in the passage, he tells us that the prophet Elijah was a man like us. And if he's a man like us and he could accomplish those great things in prayer, what's the deal? Why can't I accomplish great things in prayer? So that's the whole purpose of our series here concerning the issue of prayer. The school of prayer is we want to learn the lessons from Elijah's life that you and I can apply to our lives. Now, the reality is, is that when we talk about prayer, for most of us here, I would say for pretty near all of us here, it's a struggle. Prayer is actually the most difficult thing that you're going to find that you need to do in your Christian life. Even if you are determined to pray, when you pray, you actually find yourself running up against a lot of different obstacles. Like what? All of a sudden, you're pretty sleepy. If you're not sleepy, you're distracted. By what? Everything and anything under the sun. The drip of the faucet in the kitchen. You're distracted by the thoughts of the things that you need to take care of this week. You're processing what happened last week. We struggle. And that's why we're doing this series. It's because we want to, all of us, strengthen our lives so that when we pray the prayer of faith, now what is that? Faith's prayer. That's what the actual translation is. Faith's prayer. But you say, George, I don't have that kind of faith. Who says you don't? Jesus said if you had faith as a mustard seed, you'll be able to say to that mountain, uproot itself, and it would be cast into the sea. The implication of the text is is that you and I have faith like that. We just don't exercise it. So we're looking at the life of Elijah to try to figure out how to get control of our prayer lives, how to pray, believing God to do his work in our lives. So let's look. A couple of things I want to talk about is First of all, again, let's talk about the struggle of prayer. So let's look, first of all, the struggle of prayer. Number one, we make the mistake of focusing on the action. We make the mistake of focusing on the action. What do you mean by that, George? Well, when it comes to prayer and our struggle with prayer, we make the mistake of focusing on prayer itself as the religious exercise And for a lot of you, that's how you equate prayer. You think of prayer as a religious exercise. It's something that you need to do in order to get God's attention. But the reality is that's not what prayer is. Prayer is not simply an action. Prayer is a means of communicating with the living God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, for instance... I'll use my relationship with Lori here for a second. Here in a few weeks, we're going to be married 24 years. I first met her in 1991. Here we are, 26 years. Now, in our marriage, how far would it go if I just viewed communication with her as simply an action? Oh, I need to talk to Lori today. And so I talk to Lori, but I'm just talking at her because i got to get my talk time in, Right? How far would you get in your marriages if you just viewed it as, I've got to get my talk time in? It's the thing that's part of our relationship, is the talk time. Would I get very far? I probably wouldn't have a very good relationship with her, would, would we? We wouldn't with each other. You want to know that the person who's talking to you is engaging with you, right? That's the key word, is engaging is interacting with your soul, is interacting with who you are, right? Is that not true? See, here's the thing. For many of us, prayer is just simply an action. How do I know that? Well, if I talk to you and say, well, what did you pray about today? Some of you would say, well, I don't remember. I can't recall. And that's five minutes after you pray. If, if I have a conversation with Lori... And she says to me, well, what are we going to do? What, did we talk about something? How far am I getting there? See, this is the thing we've got to understand. It's communication. We make the mistake of focusing on the action. Here's what I want you to focus on, the relationship. See, Jesus died on the cross to reconcile you with the Father. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our sin separated us from a relationship with God the Father. The only way that that could be rectified is somebody had to die. So rather than you dying, Jesus died for you. He took upon our sin so that you could have a relationship with God. And so now that relationship has been mended through the cross, through Jesus Christ. And you have a relationship with the living God. And when we talk about praying, we're really talking about you talking with God do you understand what I'm saying talking with God so our first struggle is is that we make the mistake of focusing on the action here's the other one our struggle with the act of prayer leads to our prayerlessness our struggle with the act of prayer leads to our prayerlessness cuz here's the thing if i view prayer as simply as just a religious exercise as a thing that i'm supposed to do as a christian Because that's what you hear preachers say to you. That's what you hear the pastor encouraging you. That's what you hear the guy on the radio talking about is that you need to be a praying people. Well, that just sounds like you need to be a religious person who's exercising an action. And the problem is, if it's just simply a religious action that finds no meaning in your life, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to pray. You're going to struggle with prayerlessness in your life. And so then you're going to start saying things like, oh, I wish I could pray more. But when you say that, you're really not saying, I wish I could engage with God more. You're really saying, I need to get that prayer thing under control, that action under control. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's our struggle. Our struggle is based upon, listen to me, faulty thinking, wrong thinking, in the sense that we've don't view the relationship with God that came through Jesus Christ as a relationship. We view it as simply a lot of things to do. And let's be honest. When we have that relationship with God and we just view it as an action and God doesn't, quote, answer our prayers, how likely are you to pray the next time? Not very well, are you? So let me explain something to you, okay? Listen, we're talking about prayer now prayer is communicating with God and you're asking God to do something and sometimes he doesn't do it and you get frustrated with him, right? But if it's a relationship and he loves you, maybe the answer no is sometimes for the better for you. But you don't understand what I'm asking of him. I understand that. But it's like sometimes I could say to Lori, well, you don't understand why I want us to do this. But she's got a better perspective maybe. See, here's the thing. Our struggle with the action, the act of prayer, leads us to prayerlessness. So what do we do about that? Well, I've already told you that prayer is connected to our faith. What is faith? Faith is simply trust in God. That's what it is, simply that, trusting God for who he is and what he says he will do. That's what faith is. That's as simply as the definition is it. Well, you say, well, you know, I hear faith preachers on the TV saying, if I, if I had enough faith, God would answer me. I'm not talking about what they say. What they say is a lie. It's a twisting of a truth. But what we're talking about here is you will ask of him because you trust him. And trust comes because of a relationship. And so you've got to learn some things in order to trust him, to have faith, so that when you pray faith's prayer. You're trusting him with whatever you're praying about. So last week we saw the first lesson from Elijah's life was dependence. Elijah had to learn to be dependent upon God. This week, we're going to look at the second lesson. If we're going to talk about our prayer life, we're going to look at the second lesson from the life of Elijah, and it's actually going to be something that's probably pretty interesting to you, like what does that have to do with prayer? It has a lot to do with prayer it's obedience. Obedience to God's word. Why? Because obedience is, if you want to write this down, an act of faith. Obedience is an act of faith. What do you mean by that, George? Well, if I'm trusting in God's word and he tells me to do something, my obedience is an act of trusting him at what he says. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what you and I have to learn, is to grow our faith in order to be the people we need to be who pray. So let's look at it together. So what we're going to do is look at an incident from a life of Elijah. But before we get to the incident, we're going to talk about what Jesus said about this incident because it's going to guide us through the lesson. Okay, so I want you to notice with me Luke chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 16 through 27. So when he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom was, he he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the recovery of the sight to the blind." to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all who bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, You will surely say the proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. And he said, Assuredly, I say to you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the day of Elijah. When the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the issue of faith. We're going to look at the question of faith. Now here's two things I want you to see that comes out of this verse. I want you to notice with me verse 22. Jesus has read the scripture. He tells them that the fulfillment of that scripture is there today in him. Notice how they respond. Verse 22. And so all bore witness to him and marveled at his gracious words, which proceeded out of his mouth, and he said to them, Is this not Joseph's son? Here's what I want you to see. First of all, the issue is not what Jesus says. Why do you say that? Well, they marveled at what he says. They considered what what he said was gracious. So let me just stop for a moment. The struggle you have with your faith, Which is why you're not praying the way that you should be praying. The struggle you have with your faith is not what God says in His Word. It's not an issue of His Word. That's not what the issue is. God's Word is God's Word. It's pleasing. I like to read God's Word. I like to read God's Word and be encouraged. How many of you like to be encouraged? You look for those promises in God's Word. We like to look, okay? I even like to be rebuked sometimes. Do you understand? I read, it's my habit every morning to read a proverb a day. And why do I do that? Because there's a lot of wisdom in Proverbs. And one of the things about Proverbs is it it rakes me over the coals because it just shows me I don't know very much. And sometimes you have to be told that, that you don't know very much. And so the issue isn't God's word. We love God's word. That's not where the problem is. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We see it from their lives. They had a struggle with accepting the one who had spoken. That's what the issue is here. The issue isn't what he was saying. The issue was the one who said it. Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, says to them, Look, surely you're going to say to me this this local proverb, Physician, heal yourself. You're, You're going to say, Hey... Do the stuff you did in the other town here. Well, the reason why he couldn't do the same stuff there that he did in the other town is that they didn't believe in him. They didn't trust him. Why? Because he's Mary's son. Aren't his brothers among us? Isn't this the carpenter's son? You know about the carpenter's son, right? Do you understand? They had a problem with accepting the one who had spoken. So let me just stop for a moment. When we pray, and especially when we are praying what God is saying in his word, the struggle we have with prayer isn't what the word says. It's with God and your trust with God. Do you understand? It's an issue of you trusting the one you're speaking to. How do you know that, George? Well, let's say I'm going to pick up my friend Sam over here. Let's say I, I come to Sam and I've got a problem. Hey, Sam, we've got a problem here at the church, and... Sam, I, I know you're, you're qualified to handle that problem. You can, you can do that. And Sam, do you think you can take a look at that problem? Sam says to me, yeah, George, I can, I can handle that problem. So, and I'll take care of it, George. Now, I hear that and I thought, okay, Sam's going to take care of it. But let's just say, even though I asked Sam, because he's a trustee, even though I asked him to take care of that problem, on the inside, I've got my doubts. Like, when's he going to take care of that? When is he really going to take Can he really handle that? So I've already got plan B in line. I'll go to Rob. I know Rob can do it. Rob's been there before with me. I know I trust Sam, but, you know, I, I, I'm just going to rely on Rob. And if Rob won't do it, then I'll come over here to Bruce, okay? <laughs> Did you understand? Isn't that how we pray? I'll go to God. I'll trust God. I believe his word. But in case he doesn't, because we sometimes don't expect him to what? Answer us. We've already got plan B, C, D, all the way through Z, right, of what we're going to do. And if that doesn't work, I'll break out the credit card and hire somebody. Isn't that what we do? See, their struggle here with Jesus was accepting the one who spoke. Now, it's interesting how Jesus responds to them. He points out what their issue is, and then he points out, and he says, so pay attention to whom God sent Elijah to. He's setting up this lesson we have today. He's setting up, the issue is your faith and trusting in me. And the issue of trusting in me comes down to one word. Listen to me. The word is obedience. That's the second lesson we're going to look at here. So now, turn over with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's look at faith expressed. Let's start, first of all, in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. All right, stop for a moment. I want you to notice what he says in verse 8. He says, This is the Lord speaking to Elijah. I commanded a widow there to take care of you. That's what he's saying here. He's already telling Elijah, I've already told a widow to take care of you. Now let's continue on here. Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he had came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said to him, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread only, a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks, so that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it. And die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake first and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel The ben of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day when the Lord sends rain upon the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days. And the bin of flour was not used up, nor the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Wow. Let's learn the lesson of obedience here. Here's faith expressed. Number one, first thing we're going to see here is that God had directed a woman to take care of the prophet. So before... Elijah even gets to where he's going, to this city in Zarephath. So the city of Zarephath in Sidon, just so you understand where Sidon is, if you're looking at a map today of Israel, it's to the north in what is known today as Lebanon. It's what today is known as Lebanon. So it's another foreign country. So the prophet of God is being sent to be cared for by a widow in a foreign country. So she's a Gentile woman. And God says to Elijah, I've commanded her to take care of you. So God has directed a woman to take care of the prophet. Now, here's the thing. Here's the second point. The woman is overwhelmed by her circumstances. What circumstances, George? Well, let's just stop for a moment. There's a drought in the land. Remember, Elijah has told Ahab, it's not going to rain again until I speak. So there's been no rain. So it's not just the northern kingdom of Israel that's suffering. It's everywhere around the northern kingdom that's suffering because they're having a drought, a famine. So people are going to be, number one, struggling with food in that area. Add to that, the woman is a widow. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, folks, there isn't Social Security. There isn't the county assistance office to help you. This woman has to make it on her own. Did you ever wonder why he went to the gate and he immediately noticed who she was? That's a widow. And he went and talked to her. Why? Because she probably looks like a widow. What does that mean? Destitute. Destitute. Struggling. Trying to make ends meet. So she's overwhelmed and to add to it her resources are basically gone. She's down to her last bit of flour and her last bit of oil and she's gathering sticks to make her what? Last meal. Now stop for a moment. We already know that God had commanded her to take care of who? The prophet of God when he comes. Now if you're the woman there's a famine you're poor, and I'm talking at the bottom of the social-economical status in the community, and all you got left is just a handful of flour and a little bit of oil. Who are you taking care of? You can't even take care of what? Yourself. You think you'd be overwhelmed by your circumstances? All right, listen to me. How many of you clearly know that God's been talking to you through His Word about doing something He's told you to do this or that from his word. And you're like, well, I want to do that. But, but this is my situation. This is my circumstance. This is the difficulty I'm going through. There's no way. Did you understand? I'm sure she said that in probably whatever the language was back then, the way we would say, no way, buddy. There's no way I can do that. I can't even take care of myself. We can relate, can't we? We can relate. And we and the, to be honest with you, God puts us in those circumstances. And I'm going to explain something to you. The reason why you're in the circumstances that you're in is so that God can bring you to a place of trusting Him more and more. Understand that. The reason why you're in the circumstances that you're in and you're going through the things that you're going through is so that you can learn to trust Him more and more. Listen to me. This is why the lie of the prosperity theologians that are on TV that are telling you that you don't have enough faith is a lie. Because they say to you, the reason why you're going through what you're going through is because you don't have enough faith. That's just a lie. It's a, it's a subtle lie off of truth. The reality is the reason why you're going through what you're going through is so that you can grow in your faith to trust Him more as you're going through the stuff that you're going through. Do you understand? Do you understand? So that you can trust him more. The woman is overwhelmed by her circumstances. Look at me now. The prophet calls her to trust God's word and step out in faith. Now, this is to me is interesting. So he says to her, Go do what you're going to do. And and, and while you're making that meal, make, make a little bitty loaf for me. well, wait a minute, I just told you I only got a little bit of flour left and a little bit of oil. And notice what the prophet is saying. You trust God, you go do what you're going to do. But you make me and you feed me first. That's what he's asking here, is you feed me first from your little thing and then you go and do what you're going to do. I mean, first of all, if he didn't say anything more beyond that, we'd be like, who do you think you are? Right? Right? I've got to take care of myself and my kid. We're going to die. And you're telling me to make you something first? What's he doing here? He's calling her to trust God and step out in faith because then he says, you're going to find that the oil never ceases and the flower is never ended. And it was true. Throughout the famine, she had what? Enough oil and enough flour. The bin was never empty and the jar never emptied either. Why? He's calling her to step out on faith. So here's the thing. She's got to have a crisis of belief right now. And let me tell you something. You can tell from the passage that she's not necessarily leaning towards belief. Why? Because notice what she says there. She uses a phrase there. Notice the phrase. Look with me. Verse 12. As the Lord, your God, lives. Notice what she's saying there, folks. She's talking about the God that Elijah believes in. Does that say anything about her belief? It's not her God, is it? See, this is the thing. He's calling her to step out in faith and believe her and trust her. See, this is why obedience is the next lesson in your prayer life. First lesson, we learn to depend upon Him. Second lesson, we learn to step out and do what He says because that's going to guide you in your prayer life because you trust Him. You're obeying Him. Do you understand? You trust Him and you're obeying Him. Look at the final thing. Faith calls us to look beyond our circumstances and obey. Faith calls us to look beyond our circumstances and, And obey. You say, okay, that's George, that's wonderful, George, but you don't know what I'm going through right now. You don't know the enormity of the problem I'm facing. I know what God's telling me to do, I know what He's promised me to do, but I can't see that happening right now because right now I'm in the midst of a lot of difficulties and a lot of struggles and I can't see it happening. I understand. But faith sees it happening because this trust isn't in the circumstances or even in you, it's in God. Do you understand? It's different. It's trusting him in spite of. In spite of. That's why you step out and you're obedient. That's why you're obedient to him.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.